Jacket with Wilson, going over the film, a sobering conversation and being like, why, what is it you're seeing here? Because he's missing reads. So if he's missing reads, that's telling me to your point and your data, he's just not comfortable going through progressions. So what do we need to fix? Because he's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm -hmm. Fix it. Go back to what he does well. Because what I watched on Thursday night, I've seen that play from Drew Locke, Paxton Lynch, Simi. I mean, I could go to Brock Osweiler. That was that game. That should not happen with Russell Wilson. Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicherian, joined as always by our producer, Justin Stein. And today we are going to do a deep dive on the Denver Broncos. We've been seeing them struggling, wondering what's going on with Russell Wilson. And so we're going to bring in our friend, Troy Rank from Denver 7. He's an insider with the Denver Broncos. He hosts the Broncos podcast with Troy Rank. And we are going to talk all things Broncos with him. Before we get into that, just a quick reminder, check out The Edge at the 33rdteam.com slash the-edge. The Edge is the most powerful fantasy football tool. You can use it to help make your your sports bets if you live in states where that's legal or to just understand the game behind the game, what's really going on in terms of how are these players being utilized and what can we expect them to do in the future. You want to check that out at the 33rdteam.com. Inside their fantasy section, they have it. It is The Edge and really a must check out. At the same time, we're rolling out some new features on the 33rdteam.com this week. So keep an eye out for those two in terms of player and team pages powered by SIS. Without further ado, let's get into it with Troy. Troy Rank, Denver Broncos insider with Denver 7 and also host of the Broncos podcast with Troy Rank. You can get that wherever you listen to podcasts. We got to get into the Broncos and, and everything that's going on with that right now, Troy. But one thing that I didn't even realize until you just brought it up just now, your son actually worked at SIS in 2021? Yeah, Dagan, my oldest, who produces the podcast, <laughs> most of my podcast on most weeks, he worked at SIS as a baseball scout, learning how to chart, learning how to do the games. And he did a lot of minor league, major league games, a lot of Korean games, and he ended up working with the Dodgers this season in large part because of his experience at SIS. So always, you guys do great work there. Fantastic work, the way you guys break down and attention to detail. That's super cool. Well, welcome to the show. And I mean, it's cool because I'm obviously going to be more connected to the people that come through the football side of things, him coming through the baseball side of things. Like you said, it's the same idea. It's the attention of detail. It's trying to not just do analytics because we like being nerds, but because we like actually understand what goes on on the, on the baseball field, on the football field, on the basketball court and really get, get to know that. So it's great to hear. He obviously did a fantastic job for us and now is working with the Dodgers. I think they've got a decent team. I don't know. They're like, okay, right? <laughs> they watched them last night, man. They are, their offense is something. It's crazy because they have so many guys who hit around 200, but they get on base, they grind out counts, and they can beat you with one swing at any time. Yeah, I, I can't get used to going to a baseball game and seeing the scoreboard and just every batter that comes up batting in the low 200s. <laughs> like my, my, my 90s mentality is not, you know, It just looks weird to me still, but I guess I'll get used to it. All right. Let's switch over to football, though. Let's talk about the Broncos. You're one of the foremost experts on everything Denver Broncos related. You've been inside that building. What is up with Russell Wilson? Yeah, it's been alarming how poor the offense has done 15 points a game when they signed Russell Wilson. You know, I thought the veil of darkness would be lifted. They've had 12 starting quarterbacks since Manning before Wilson. 
and all of them have been underwhelming. There's only two with a winning record. Trevor Simeon at 13 and 11 and Brett Rippon at 1 and 0 as a starter. <laughs> so you're like Russell Wilson comes in even if he's not the Russell Wilson of 2 years ago, you figure he's a guy who could throw 30 touchdowns, 12 picks, put you in position to have a winning record for the first time in 5 years and go to the playoffs for the first time since Super Bowl 50. So what's wrong with Russell Wilson? There's a couple of things that work what I what I've observed that are going on. You have a first-time head coach in Nathaniel Hackett who's implementing a progression read system that frankly fits Aaron Rodgers better. And we may find out at the end of the year if the Broncos go 6-11 and 11, that Hackett is a one-and-done, that he was meant for Rodgers. But it's a progression read offense. That's not what Russell Wilson does. He's not a guy that goes read, 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 then run. He's usually one read, then go, and you move the pocket. And so that's number one. Number two is, Russell Wilson, when he got here, talked about wanting to play 10 to 12 more years. And it's as if he's trying to re, you know, microwave and reinvent himself as Tom Brady and Drew Brees as a pocket passer. He's not. He's not a moving is, the yeah. pocket passer. And so he's forcing something that's not comfortable. He's in an offense that's not comfortable. So you have these two recipes that both exclusively, you know, mutually exclusive of each other work, Matt. But when you put them together, they taste like asphalt. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an offense that just doesn't blend the strengths of the quarterback and the strengths of the play caller. So if it were me, I would say, Russell, with all due respect, we're going back to what you do well. We're getting you under center more. We're going to run play action out of you being on the center, and we're going to run bootlegs, and we're going to move the pocket. We're not going to put you in the pocket like Drew Brees and go through progression reads because it's not working. And frankly, they're running out of time. Their season's on the brink in terms of trying to reach the playoffs. I mean, you said so many fascinating things there. Let's start off. As we see the the courting of Russell Wilson and before that Aaron Rodgers that happened, a lot of people speculated that Nathaniel Hackett was brought in as kind of Rodgers' bait. What you're connecting that I think is more interesting than than meets the eye there is that not only was he brought into for Rodgers, but what he runs, what he knows is not a fit for ru- what Russell Wilson does best. And you know, we have lots of different metrics at Sports Info Solutions. Everybody only cares about, you know, how well do you rank them? Who's number one, number two, number three? But when you look in kind of like the numbers behind the numbers, one thing that's always been interesting that we've tracked with Russell Wilson is he is somebody who will hold on to the football. His time to throw, as a result, his pressure rate is going to be higher. He's going to be under pressure in the pocket because he wants to hold on to the ball, because he wants to get to that second play. You think of all the great Tyler Lockett situations that he had in his past, the ability to make the play after the play breaks down. That's where he wants to be. All of a sudden, if he's trying to be Rodgers, if he's trying to be Brady, this sounds like a real recipe for potential disaster. And like you said, it it, it could be a one and done. It wouldn't be shocking at all if that was a one and done for, for Nathaniel Hackett, if they can't get it right. Yeah, and they will dispute, Matt, that they brought him in just for Rodgers because he did win the interview. He's caffeinated. He brought energy. He, breeds, he, he, he embraces technology and innovation. He brought in a teacher to do basically game plans and presentations for the players because they had guys falling asleep in meetings last year. I mean, the energy was so bad around the building. They bring him in. He's young, innovative, a young coaching staff. But where he misjudged it is he his own inexperience with all these guys who've never been in these roles. They needed more time, and they just. And I'm not say it was arrogance. It looks like arrogance in hindsight. But we don't need the preseason. We're just like Green Bay. We don't need to play our starters. We're fine. Well, 
again, Matt LaFleur was inheriting Aaron Rodgers, who had been with Green Bay and those players, and they were really good. The Broncos have been, other than the Jets, no team has missed the playoffs in more consecutive seasons than the Broncos. They have been a laughing stock and, and frankly, irrelevant. I think he misjudged that. He also misjudged so misjudged that they really needed to play the starters in preseason. If nothing else, he needed the challenge with the play card because his data analyst is his college friend who was working with like college admissions recently. He wasn't oh, in wow. the game. And so they get to Seattle and I asked him multiple times during training camp, do you think you need to get a few series for these starters because of the fact in Seattle, it's the loudest stadium I've ever been to 100%. by far, baseball or football. And I've been to every stadium, I think, except two or down to maybe one NFL stadium. Anyway, loudest stadium. And on that night, it was a European soccer crowd. They never stopped, ever. It wasn't like this. It was mm-hmm. the whole time. And he's sitting there and making a decision to kick a 64-yard field goal to win a game. When the longest field goal at Lumen Field ever was 56. Folks like you, Matt, that do what you do, you're, you'd be in the booth saying, listen, that's our drop-dead kick. That's our Hail Mary kick. That's not where we stopped the drive. Fourth and five, Russell was playing well. You put the game in his hands. So that goes wrong, which I put on Hackett. Then they get to this Colts game, and they have a chance to put that game away. Third and four, 219 left. Colts are out of timeout, so they're going to get the two-minute warning. If you're watching this game as a head coach, take the analytics out of it for a second. Trust your eyes. Russell Wilson, at that point, is playing one of the worst games of his career by misreads, I think he had something. He had. He took a shot to the head on the first interception for whatever reason. He's not right. It happens. Run the football, or when that play comes in, say if we're running a play, it's going to be Julian Edelman square out a ball in the dirt that only he can catch. Instead, right. you go to a Tyree Cleveland, a practice squad receiver against Stephon Gilmore, right? And you throw a pick, and then you get down on fourth and one in overtime. You can run there. It was like, oh, we we had to go to the end zone. No, you didn't. Get a first down. Get to the two. Now the whole playbook's open. So that, and again, Russell's decision-making on both those plays was just abhorrent. But as a coach, as Hackett, put your foot down and yeah. say, and they, they need to have a conversation right now. He Hackett with Wilson going over the film, a sobering conversation and being like, why, what is it you're seeing here? Because he's missing reads. So if he's missing reads, that's telling me to your point and your data, he's just not comfortable going through progressions. So what do we need to fix? Because he's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. Fix it. Go back to what he does well. Because what I watched on Thursday night, I've seen that play from Drew Locke, Paxton Lynch, Semi. I mean, I could go to Brock Osweiler. That was that game. That right. should not happen with Russell Wilson. You know, it, it reminds me because you brought up the point earlier about all the quarterbacks that have come since then, since Peyton Manning. And even that Peyton Manning was a shell of Peyton Manning, but it, but enough to get them to the Super Bowl. What was interesting about that was he was running the Kubiak offense, which is from the lineage, lineage of the Shanahan offense. You look around the NFL, everybody is doing the, the play action cheat code type stuff, the outside zone, the bootlegs. And suddenly we're seeing, you know, offenses emerge everywhere from, you know, Miami across the league. At the same time, you bring in Hackett here and it seems that what you, what would be a great fit for Russell Wilson is that Shanahan style outside zone, get under center, get him on the bootleg. In that situation you're talking about, what play is better to run than get Russell Wilson on the move, 
Give him an option to throw the ball. And if it's not there, have him eat it. That way you got the opportunity to complete the pass for the first down and you could keep the, the clock running if it's not there. You give him one simple read and call it a day. With all of this, it, it, it feels like there's something backwards. Should we be concerned about that lack of experience on the coaching staff? You look around at the at the coordinators. You mentioned the the, the game planning coaches there. Is there suddenly for one of the most forward thinking organizations in football, somebody that other teams have mostly emulated? Is there something um, going on here where they're just missing experience? It's part of it. There's no doubt. And again, Hackett, he's likable. People I trust in football. He's a smart guy. He was like a neurobiology major in college. But he's got a little bit of squirrel in him where it gets distracted. Like he has to stay focused and trying to be the head coach and play caller at times he's been over his skis. I mean, it's just that's not opinion. That's fact if you're watching the games. So he hires a data analyst who'd never done the job. He's got an offensive coordinator who was a high school coach like four years ago, five years ago, that they're not speaking up and telling him in those first couple of games, hey, third, if we get to third and five, if we get to fourth and one, what do we, you know, here's what we got. Just constant voice in his head. So it's failed so badly after the Houston game. And the Houston game is very similar, and they won that to the Colts game offensively. He brings in Jerry Rossberg, a guy who's retired who doesn't even know, to basically man the booth. So the data guy now, the data, the game strategist, an analyst, he's taken a back seat to a guy they just met two weeks ago, three weeks ago, to your point about experience. And that's why... I understood where they were going with it, but I just think he didn't completely understand this isn't a great roster. So you're putting all these coaches in positions they haven't been in. And Adrian, I'll say this, Adrian, the defensive coordinator, has done fantastic. He's looked the part, and he was the one maybe we had the most questions about because Vic Fangio, for all his faults, he's a good defensive coordinator. The defense wasn't particularly the problem. It wasn't as good as people think it was, but it wasn't the issue. He's done fine, but the special teams coordinator, Stooks, and Hackett, his offensive coordinator, Stooks had done the job as a special teams coordinator 10 years ago. He's the only guy of their coordinators that's done the job before, and he had one just absolute horrible year in Tampa Bay and got banged, and Hackett's never done it. And that's the thing with Hackett in Green Bay. He was invaluable to Green Bay in his role. He didn't call plays in Green Bay. He hasn't called plays since Jacksonville, and that doesn't mean he can't do it. It doesn't. It, the problem was it means that he hadn't done it in a bit and he's trying to be the head coach on top of it. And you would know, Matt, how many coaches now are great play callers and head coaches? What is that number? It's I'm rare. talking about offensive. Yeah. LaFleur does it, but he has Aaron Rodgers, but he does it. I mean, I go Andy Reid. I mean, I give him, he basically calling the plays whether you think it's being me or not. I mean, how many are three, three to five? But I mean, it's it's like you say, you you got to have, if you're going to be responsible for calling the plays, then you've got to have people that you trust to handle the other things. My experience in, in New Orleans with Sean Payton all those years, of course, he's calling all the plays. He didn't even look when the defense was on the field. Like, let's, let's be honest. Like, he had put somebody there to worry about the defense. He was going to worry about the offense, and then he was going to worry about the game control because he had people that that he trusted around him that that could handle those things because he wanted his expertise on the offense. So I'm not opposed to... If you know your expertise is offense and you want to keep your skill set there, you just got to have people on your staff, though, that you can trust to to do the other things. So I want to push back something you said. You said this isn't a great roster. And you talked about the defense was good last year. So far this year, they ranked third in defensive efficiency based on our metrics. They, they you know, no step back there. They look like they're still doing strong. 
offensively, I would have said this is a team with good weapons. I would have said Judy, Hamler, Sutton, certainly. I would have said this is a team with good weapons. Sure, you lose Fant in the Russell Wilson trade, but you get Russell Wilson. And yeah. for some reason, though, not only has has Wilson struggled, his receivers have really let him down. They've really struggled in this offense, too. And I would have thought coming in that you would have said this is a good roster. And Russell Wilson was the piece that was supposed to kind of put it over the top. Are you not seeing it that way? Do you think there are more holes than maybe I'm giving it credit for on this team? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I covered the Rockies for 15 years. And part of the sobering truth they would have to come to, because for years it was, well, if Cargo and Tulo are healthy, we're a playoff team. Well, they were never healthy together. And the sobering truth was across the other nine positions on a daily basis, they weren't very good. And it was like, oh, we didn't meet expectations. And I kept telling, I, I think you did. I think this is who you are. And I'm not saying that yet with this team, but the Broncos offensive line for me is average to maybe a tick below average. Now they've lost Garrett Bowles, who wasn't having a great year, but he's a functional left tackle. So their line is, and their line hasn't adjusted particularly well to the new line coach, Butch Berry. I would have kept Mike Munchak there, frankly, uh, even though he wasn't a guy who's taught wide zone. It's all some of its semantics at this point, the, the crossover for me in watching teams who've done both schemes. But their line is okay. The tight end, Albert Okuwebunam, has now basically been benched because he can't block. And in this offense, to your point about like the schematic part of it, if you watch Green Bay's offense, or certainly if you watch Shanahan, they run they, they run like three plays where t- essentially they do the same thing. 11 guys are doing the same thing every play except like two guys, the tight end and the fullback, or the tight end and a receiver in motion. And so... To be able to disguise that way, you have to have a functional blocking tight end. At one point, Albert O was in 22 plays. They threw the ball 22 plays. So he's a tell. So now he's not playing. He was a guy that has real potential as a, you know, a stretch tight end, flex tight end. He's barely getting on the field now. Eric Sauber is a guy who probably doesn't make a lot of rosters. He's now their receiving tight end. Cortland Sutton, he's a good player. He's good on third down. He's good, but he, he's not Jamar Chase. He's not Justin Jefferson. You know, he's not that guy. And they really miss Tim Patrick because Tim Patrick never dropped the football. He was great on third down, and he was really good in the red zone. Jerry Love Judy, it. I've been bullish on. I've been bullish on. I've said he's better in space than NASA. He does all these things well, except he's inconsistent. He's inconsistent. And he's still has issues with drops. KJ Hamler's basically an X factor player, but he's only getting one to two targets a game. Mm-hmm. So to your, I mean, you're asking, so the guy, they were two things have happened with their offense. When I say, I don't know if it's as good. Javante Williams is out for the season. Hurts. In many ways, he was their best offensive player. Melvin Gordon is a good player. He he's just had fumbling issues to the point yep. where it's hard to keep him on the field. He's had five fumbles in his last 67 carries, five it lost is. fumbles. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. And then you look at Russell playing at a level. He's on pace to average, get 14 touchdowns and complete 59% of his passes, both well below any career low he's ever had. So that's a, this confluence of factors of the line isn't exactly taking to the new scheme. Your best running back's gone, who was also your second best receiver because he was dumping the ball down to him. Right. And you have a tight end who position that's bottom two or three in the league. And you don't have any real true consistent playmakers at receiver. Could all this change? I'm not ready to give up on Russell Wilson. I might be naive. People in Denver are like, fire Hackett, bring in Sean Payton. Otherwise, Russell Wilson's washed. That's not me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not there. It's five games in. But the Russell Wilson I saw on Thursday night, that was alarming how poorly he played. And so that's they had a mini bye week. If they don't come out this week against the Chargers and run an offense that looks way more closely resembles what Russell Wilson does well, then what are we doing? Then, then what right. are we doing? And then that's why Hackett's in danger because he was brought here to energize the offense. So if they end the season at 7-10 and 10 and average 18 points a game, I don't know how he survives that. After you just paid Russell Wilson $245 million, they're, st- right. they're with Russell for two more years after this season. If Hackett can't get it going, what do they do? That's what I, I'm not. I don't. I never root for people to get fired. But this ownership didn't hire him. The Walton Penner Group mm. came in after he was hired. So that's why if they go, you know, six and eleven or seven and ten, and their offense is bottom third of the league, I don't know he can survive that. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. I'm I'm definitely with you on number one. It's dumb to abandon Russell Wilson to think that he's just broken at this point. Russell Wilson's obviously been a very good football player for a long time. Like you mentioned, he's a likely Hall of Famer. So you definitely have to work with that. And then you don't have a choice because of the amount that you're paying him and and the guarantees and stuff like that. The option of, you know, Sean Payton just lurking out there has to be tempting in a certain way if you don't if you don't see that. But it sounds like things are really going to need to change. And hopefully starting with this this nice little Thursday to Monday with a week in between will help. But like you mentioned, Javante Williams out, not going to make things easier. Now Garrett Bowles out, not going to make things easier, even if he hasn't played great. So some of these some of these injuries now start to stack up. And like you said, this season really becomes make or break very quickly. You could reel off some wins and we could be having a very different conversation in a few weeks. Or it could be going the same way as Matt Rule. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. Yeah, I would be shocked if it happened during the season, but after the season, I think all bets would be off. I would challenge you because you guys know win expectancy way better. I mean, this team for me could be four and one or they could be 0 and five. It's not that they're terrible. It's they're terrible offensively. Their defense has allowed one team to score a touchdown in the second half. And some of these opponents aren't great. I understand that, but defensively, they're getting healthier. Justin Simmons is going to be back. Caden Stearns can now be freed up to play nickel or dime. You lose Ronald Darby which hurts. You're going to have to play a corner, a rookie cornerback at Damari Mathis, but you're getting great play from Baron Browning. You're getting great play from Bradley Chubb. DJ Jones has been at as, as advertised and they're getting takeaways and sacks. The two things they didn't get under Fangio. It's yeah. just their offense yeah. is compromising their strength because against Houston, they had nine, three and outs. They can't sustain drives. And so ultimately your defense, I watched this for six years, your defense, the elasticity finally breaks where they're on the field for 78 plays and your offense is on the field for 52. Eventually, you give up a long drive. And we saw it against the Raiders when they just got run over by Josh Jacobs. They ran out of gas. And I'm not def- making excuses, but your offense went four three and outs in that game against the Raiders to start the third quarter. Your offense is averaging six points in the second half of games. You, It's just not sustainable, even with the league-wide scoring down. It's not sustainable, but it's for me, it's can Hackett take a step back and just look at this and say a compromised Russell Wilson with a shoulder injury. What do you do? Well, let's put your highlight package together. What are your favorite 15 plays? And we're going to start running those and they're going to get healthier on the offensive line. Quinn Miners should be back at right guard. He's an upgrade over Glasgow. Them calling the slant play on the goal line (laughs) with Russell Wilson seems like maybe not an ideal play call right there. I mean, it's just, and again, as a head coach, 
he's been so deferential to Russ, but he's still trying to run this offense. And I know Russ is trying to buy in and reinvent himself, but at some point, and I've said this, it's not about Russ. It's about us. You got to get some wins here. I mean, what are we doing? Like, okay. So at some point they've got to bring Russ into this fold of, okay, maybe eventually you're going to be a pocket passer when you're 38. At 33, we need the Russell Wilson we saw two years ago. Like, that's the only way out of this, frankly, is he starts playing at an elite level or at least a high level to where they can win games 23-20, 23-17. They can't win games right now, and especially on the road. You know this. What do bad teams do? They lose on the road. That's just what you do when you're a bad team because you typically lose three to five points on the road. They're scoring 15. <laughs> they don't have the luxury of being bad. So again, I'm not giving up on Russell. I've just been, it's been so jarring that a smart person like Hackett and a person obsessed with winning like Russell can't find the right mix here. It's right. like they're both on parallel tracks that at times briefly intersect, but we just don't feel like this thing is on the same page. It looks incongruent. It looks clumsy. From the game management to the play calling to Russell's play, it's just been eye-opening in how bad it's been. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the numbers back you up, kind of put a bow on things. Broncos third on defense right now by total points. SIS's overall value metric, 27th on offense. It probably shocks <laughs> you to hear that there are you know five teams worse based on the metrics. But it, it overall, but Indianapolis is are the Colts one of those teams that's that are worse the, than them? The Colts are right at the bottom of the league offensively yeah. they're they're 32 out of 32 but yet they got enough to get that win against the Broncos last time and now the Broncos 27th on defense uh 27th on offense and third on defense actually results in 11th overall but they play against the 10th overall Los Angeles Chargers in their next game this would be a huge one separating the contenders from the pretenders as we like to say that's a Great point. That def this defense though has the one caveat has given Justin Herbert fits. The Fangio mm -hmm. defense and a, and a version of the Bill Belichick defense. If you look at Herbert's worst games of his career, it's been against this defense. So that's would be the glimmer is that because last Pat Sertan had a two pick game against Herbert. Herbert for whatever reason really struggles with the disguised coverages of this specific defense. And again, if they were at home, I'd give them a, a real shot. It's just on the road. I don't think so, but that would be their their path to victory as their defense ends up with a couple picks that should give them a short field. And uh, you mentioned Patrick Sertan. He is just unbelievable. People around, like you said before, you don't think that, that Cortland Sutton is that, that Justin Jefferson, that elite Jamar Chase type. Patrick Sertan is all of that from the cornerback position. He is as good as I've seen out there. We should be talking about him the way we used to talk about Revis, the way we used to talk about Patrick Sertan Sr., he, he's he's something else out there. It, it's sad that, that Darby will be out because he was really having a great season too. There are more bright spots, as you mentioned, on defense. Nick Benito playing playing really well. There's definitely some good stuff to be excited about on that side of the ball. Where do you guys have Sertan? Great. I've said about Sertan that he turns re opposing receivers into Chick-fil-A. They're not open on Sunday. Yeah, he's <laughs> exactly. He's uh, He's third right now with 26 total points earned. That's third amongst corners in the NFL right now. I don't have right in front of me who's above him, but if it if it if they're above him, they they have one or two. He's as good as anybody. He's right there. That's yeah. I was gonna say he, it's crazy too because sometimes as a journalist you get lucky. He was their best player in camp. I mean, we were we were saying it from like second day of camp. Like Justin Simmons has been their best player the last couple of years on this team, 
Right. Pat Sertan in training camp was clearly their best player. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah. He's something else there. It's hard to find the words to to explain a corner like him because part of what he does is just the target suppression, just not getting thrown at. So far this year, we've got him 27 targets, 129 yards allowed in five games. Not bad for your number one corner going up against a lot of the, the best receivers in the NFL. And now that's the problem, though, with um, Ricky on the other side, that target suppression number is just going to go go up, right? Why yeah. Why would you go after him? I mean, I don't Ignore even know that side of the field, would. yeah. Yeah, they're going to start doing it. I just, and he knows that. I've talked to Pat about it, and he's just like, it's frustrating, but it's still in a way he's doing his job because it forces teams to, you know, cut off a side of the field. But I, I can't see them challenging him going forward with a rookie on the other side. Yep. Makes too much sense. All right, Troy, we're out of time. Thank you for spending the last 30 minutes with us. This is a lot of fun. Good luck to the Broncos going forward this year. Before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, my Broncos podcast, I have a lot of fun with that. It's the Broncos podcast with Troy Rink. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google. I mean, re- really, wherever you get your podcast. And follow me on Twitter if you are a Broncos fan. I have a sense of humor, hopefully again this year, at Troy Rink, T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K. And again, thank you guys. It's uh, SIS. Uh, it was uh, an important, important step for my son, Dagan in his career and what we hope is a very long career in professional baseball. So SIS will also have a, always have a special place for us. Awesome. Troy rank. Thank you. On that note, we will sign off. Thank you to all of the listeners as usual and reminder, please check out sportsinfosolutions.com and follow us on Twitter at sportsinfo underscore SIS. You can also check out our football specific account there at football SIS. And don't forget to check out the 33rdteam.com. The Edge is live there as well as player and team pages, hopefully by the time you're listening to this. For our producer, Justin Stein, and our guest, Troy Rank, I'm Matt Manicharian, and thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast.